Welcome to the Embodied Wealth Consciousness Podcast. I'm Julia Trinka, your host, shamanic leadership coach, and self-made millionaire. I'm obsessed with helping powerful spiritual entrepreneurs and revolutionary leaders to actualize a life and business of embodied wealth. I started my journey with literally less than nothing in my bank account. And once I discovered the path of wealth consciousness, my business revenue began to double and triple every year, and it hasn't stopped. I've helped thousands of ambitious, soulful women to access their millions and fully live their dharma. I'm currently holding my ceremony in the sacred lands of Sedona, and with each episode, I bring the energetic and the material together to bring you practical and effective tools to massively uplevel your purpose, your legacy, and your wealth. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you want to learn more about how we can support you in your expansion and revenue generation, visit getlifemastery.com. Let's get started. Hello, beautiful listeners. Welcome to this episode where we take a deep dive into poetry as a medicine tool, poetry as self-care, and I would even suggest deeper than self-care. I want to mention I'm recording this with my office window open. Generally, the way that we record podcasts is, you know, podcasters go to great lengths to ensure that there is no unwanted noise or sound happening in the podcast. Um, you know, I, I would imagine so that the audio quality is good and also to make sure that there are no distractions, um, perhaps to uphold a level of professionalism, all of which are uh, things that I definitely support and celebrate. But I got to say today, particularly in sharing with you about my book, which is primarily about poetry as healing and as manifestation, I had to leave the window open. I want to let life in. I don't actually want to keep life out. I don't want to keep those sounds out. I want this transmission to be a continuum that is threaded through and with life and all of its sounds and noises and not actually something separate from it. So I just wanted to acknowledge that because it may be (laughs) that you hear a crow or maybe even a plane flying by, or my neighbor's dog. And I am doing this intentionally because I want us to feel part of the fabric of life. So let's dive in. I'm going to share a poem with you from my book, Being Medicine. You are rain on parched earth. You are the song of the raindrops. You are the language of thunder. 
that reverberates through the heart. You are the flashing tongues of lightning licking the ground like a ravenous goddess. You are the inspiration that calls the rainbow into form. You are the petrichor. The poetry that's in Being Medicine is sourced directly from my dreams. Some of them also intertwine with moments from real life. There's a particular poem in this book that did come directly out of a dream, but the dream happened during the pandemic when all of the riots inspired by racial inequality were going on, and one of them was going on literally just a couple blocks from where we lived at the time. Some of them are inspired from conversations that I've had with clients, um, particularly around leadership and magic and the interface between those two. And the very last poem in the book, which we do another episode on, is actually from a moment, again, from the pandemic. Much of this poetry was actually written during the pandemic. Um, It was written in response to my daughter's desire and intention to take her own life, which she did not, thank goodness. But I'm trying to illustrate this for you because poetry is like most things of great power. The things that hold the greatest power in our world, in our culture, are the things that are marginalized, the things that are made unimportant, the things that are trivialized. So I'm just, that's an invitation, by the way. It's an invitation to reflect on the thoughts, the desires, the perspectives, the actions inside of your own self and inside of your own life that you marginalize and trivialize. This is actually a huge bone that I have to pick with women in leadership and women in entrepreneurship is how ready we are to trivialize ourselves, to trivialize what we would prefer, to trivialize our ideas in favor of what uh, feels like it's quote unquote right because it's normal, because it's what's happening outside because it's the way that most people are leading or building their businesses. This book specifically exists to dismantle that kind of marginalization and trivialization. And of course, it extends beyond that too, right? We have communities of people, um, communities of color, communities of age, communities of gender that are marginalized and trivialized. And I, I get actually excited in that what I recognize is that that's where the power is. The big card that patriarchy has to play is taking what is powerful and making it seem trivial. It's a card that it plays again and again. And so it's another invitation to understand that if you are facing a crossroads, if you are facing a moment of challenge, if you are facing a moment where your money or your relationship isn't flowing in the way that you would 
prefer and you seem to not know what to do, going to these places that you have trivialized, that you have participated in trivializing, is a sure fucking bet in turning that on its head. And poetry is something that we trivialize. Most often when I see poetry, you know, it's been turned into a soundbite on Instagram or something. It's like a feel-good moment. Um, And of course, that's social media, right? So social media is what it is. But in my experience, perhaps your experience is different. In my experience, I don't see the majority of people getting together to create poetry, to recite poetry, to listen to poetry, to read poetry, and to have that happen in a way that allows poetry to do what it's made to do, which is to transform our lives. All art is a portal. It's an opportunity to experience life and self differently. And particularly with poetry, um, because poetry is such a different use of language, it's, it's such a different interface than we're used to, you know, um, especially, so I, I work a lot with uh, spiritual coaches. And so a lot of how we're <laughs> relating with writing is in terms of like, you know, you'll see courses, for example, which are like exactly what to write to make sure that your article gets published by a, you know, worldwide distribution magazine, or here's how to turn words into money. Um, Here's how to perfect your copy to make sure that you have your ideal clients salivating and, you know, can't resist buying you from you, Um, you know, all the way to like the language of contracts that we might have with clients or um, contractors or something. So the written word becomes very transactional. It becomes very transactional. And I actually don't have an argument with that. I don't think that it's bad or wrong. I just think that it's incomplete. And what I know, what I know, and what I have seen time and again is that when leader women, when unconventional leader women interface with poetry in a deep way, it opens something else up in their businesses, in their lives, in their own writing, even if they are playing that game of trying to get their article published by a notable publisher. It does something to us. I think part of why this is true is because the intention of poetry is not to market. The intention of poetry is not um, to convey a specific and basic desire, like we might say, pass me the butter, right? It's, it's a very basic way of communicating. Poetry exists to cause us to feel. It exists to cause us to feel. And my proposition is that 
what stands between us and having what we want, having the kind of world that we want, having the quality of conversations that we want, having money flow through our lives as we want. The only thing that stands between what we're experiencing now and having it exactly as we want it is the ability to feel. And I'm not talking actually about emotions, although emotions and thoughts are certainly woven. I'm talking about the somatic experience of feeling. And that's what poetry does. Poetry makes you cry. Even when poetry doesn't make you full-on cry, you feel something in your body. And sometimes it's so imperceptible, you may not even know. But it shifts something in your soma. It goes deeper than emotion. It goes deeper than thought. And it gets to the very foundations of what it is to be alive. And so if, we, if you consider my proposition, right? My proposition is my hypothesis. And, you know, I've been playing with it for more than 20 years and it has continued to bear out. That if we can learn the skills of becoming conscious in our feeling function, not just conscious, but I would say masterful in dismantling all of the ways in which we have developed these tendencies, these not-self tendencies that are fundamentally rooted in our somatic experience. They're not rooted in the mind, actually. The mind is responding to them. It's certainly a two-way street, but it's primarily happening from the body to the mind. And so if developing mastery in that is actually all that stands between us and having what we want, then poetry is the gateway. And poetry is also like a um, adaptogen. <laughs> Some of you know what adaptogenic herbs are. Adaptogenic herbs are really amazing in that they, they have three basic criteria that they must meet, that there is no toxicity level to them right? That's number one. You can't ever get harmed from them, right? Because if you take in too much, your body will just excrete what it does not need. Number two for an adaptogen is that it has a calibrating effect. So there are some substances, even herbs, right? That are only meant to stimulate. So they take what is in deficiency and they put it into balance. Other herbs take what is too much and they tamp it down, right? But adaptogens actually bring you to homeostasis, whether you're in deficiency or whether you're in excess. That's the second quality they possess. The third quality they possess is that they operate on multiple systems, right? This is why, you know, some of you who maybe, maybe are just like getting into herbalism, you look at something like ginger and you're like, well, what does ginger do? And you see like 45 different things that it does. And so it's actually kind of funny when people say, oh, what's that herb for? You know, because adaptogens in particular, they are for so many things. Poetry is like that. Poetry only blesses you. The more you interface with it, the more it blesses you. You're not going to, like, I've never heard of anybody being like, oh, I need to take a a poetry hiatus, right? Like sometimes people need a, a social media break, right? They need a social media fast, but you don't need to fast from poetry because it's only ever going to bless you. 
Secondly, it meets you where you are at and brings you into harmony. And thirdly, it's working on multiple dimensions of your being at once. So what I'm advocating isn't just that you buy my book, which I definitely think you should, (laughs) because it is a transmission. It is not just for your mind to imbibe, but it is meant to upgrade and open every single cell of your being. It is meant to open your visionary capacity. It is meant to open your heart. It is meant to inspire new ideas and actions. It is meant to show you a different mirror of yourself. It is my hope that you will read the poem like the one that I read, that you will read that you are the inspiration for the rainbow coming into form. And you'll feel it And you will know that I see you that way. And you will feel how real it is. And it will change you. And if you let it, it will change your life. So whether you you buy my book or not, we'll make sure that there's a link. Whether you buy my book or not, choose right now how you will include poetry in your life. How will you write it? Maybe you can go write some right now. By the way, I wanted to be a poet for years when I was younger. That's one of the things I wanted to be when I grew up, but I was terrible at writing poetry. What I didn't realize about myself then as a child is that the more I try to follow the rules, the more I fail. I'm not built for someone else's rules. And so when my dreams just started downloading these words into me and I wrote them down, I realized it was poetry. It was a realization. This poetry didn't come from my head. And so what are the words that are living inside of you? What is all that stuff that's unexpressed in you that you've been trying to get out, but maybe it was just waiting for you to write a poem? And by the way, most of this poetry was spoken first. I actually spoke it into a recorder on my phone and then I transcribed it because it just mostly wanted to come through that way. My deepest desire is that you will walk away from this episode and you will be convinced that your full expression matters and that if it's been difficult for you to voice what you have to voice, like the words aren't coming out right, or it feels like people don't understand you, that you will realize that you have other avenues to allow for your expression. They're waiting for you. And it's only for you to decide how you want to participate with them. Aha. Thank you so much for joining us on the Embodied Wealth Consciousness Podcast. For more guidance on wealth generation as an expression of your dharma, visit getlifemastery.com. Remember to follow the podcast so that you never miss an episode and tag us on social media to share your insights and manifestations. We'll see you soon 
And remember, heaven on earth begins within you.